Welcome to the latest tablet podcast. My name is Ruth Gladtill and I'm the online editor. Today I have with me Eleanor Curti, former deputy editor at the tablet. While she was with us, Eleanor particularly enjoyed writing about historic churches. And now she has written a book. It's called 50 Catholic Churches to See Before You Die. Eleanor, one of my own favourite churches is in the book, St Giles in Cheadle. Could you start by telling me a bit about that church? Well, you're right, Ruth. It is a most spectacular church. Um, it was designed by Augustine Welby Pugin, and he did it for the Earl of Shrewsbury. Now, the Earl of Shrewsbury was his great patron, and they decided between them that what they wanted to build was a perfect English Catholic church, and very importantly, a Gothic English Gothic Catholic Church. And so they set about recreating this vision of what they thought a medieval English church would be like. And I'm not sure quite how true it is to what a church of that period would have been like, because it is so very, very spectacularly decorated. But it survives virtually intact, and it is a wonderful church. You go in there and, you know, I've said in the book that it's almost like you've got a, a lot of jewels crowded together in the jewel box, and, and you almost need to take each individual part at a time. So maybe spend some time looking at the, the, the wonderful stained glass. There is a fabulous um, glass there, which um, is has roundels of the Christian virtues. And so you have figures beautifully portrayed in medieval dress, representing um, honouring the dead, helping your neighbour, all absolutely fantastic. I mean, I, I spent an hour just looking at those. And then you have the decoration on the walls and, and on the columns. And there you have these uh, amazingly coloured chevrons of, of, of lots of gold and a myriad of colour. And then you can also spend a lot of time just looking at the, the wonderful Minton tiles, which um, are particularly fine in the Blessed Sacrament Chapel. And then, of course, there's the metalwork um, on, on the root screen and also on the screen of the Blessed Sacrament Chapel, the most beautiful filigree decoration. Now, I always thought that a root screen tended to obscure your vision of the altar. But here it, it is very fine and very delicate. And you'll remember it yourself that you, you, your, the sight lines of the altar are still pretty good. And what a high altar it is, um, incredibly inspiring, um, wonderful angels, lots of gold, very, very fine sculpture. It is a wonderful vision. And no detail has been left or neglected, has it? Every single inch of the church, it's like intricate attention was paid to absolutely everything. The font is an, an outstanding work of art. And um, if you look, you describe the metalwork, if you look through the gilded um, screen in the Blessed Sacrament Chapel, through the centre of the screen, there's a, a little um, circle and you gaze to that and it actually frames perfectly the tabernacle. I mean, I, I remember when I was very young, um, my father took me there, although he was an Anglican priest um, working nearby. I took there and I sat in what I believe is possibly the same chair that Newman himself sat in when he visited um, the chapel at around at around the time of his own conversion just after, I think. And um, 
it is the most it is the most extraordinary place and you you i don't think you can go into that church and come out unchanged and the beauty of the place is so very inspiring and i think that 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 is so important to our faith isn't it being inspired by beauty uh, certainly that was the case with newman and it was very very much the case of these architects um, in the second half of the 19th century in particular who were trying to create things of absolute splendor that reflected their own faith and their own devotion do you have any other examples of Pugin's work in your book? Indeed, I do. I have his church at Ramsgate, which you may have visited, St. Augustine's. That is probably his most personal church. It's the church that he built for himself and his family. The family home, the Grange, is, is, is next to it, just behind it. And there it brings together a lot of his ideas. Um, he didn't have the budget that he had with the Earl of Shrewsbury at Cheadle, so it, it sort of took shape rather slowly in piecemeal fashion and indeed he died before he was able to finish it but there it is a, an extraordinary intricate space um, because it's like going into a series of little rooms and so you go into one area and you appreciate one section uh, again with some wonderful treasures in it um, but then you move into another bit and another whole new vista opens up um, and, and so you can actually there's a there's a movement there again it's a it's a coherent vision but it's one that unfolds very gradually yes that church is at the end of a fairly new pilgrimage route um, which has been set up by the British Pilgrimage Trust run by Guy Hayward uh, and um, it is possible to um, take a, a walk from actually the Anglican Cathedral in Rochester um, down um, this new route, um, which does intersect with various old pilgrimages routes, um, and to end up at that church, it is the most extraordinary experience. Absolutely. And of, of course, um, th those churches are a particular kind, um, even when they're not as decorated as ornately as the one at Cheadle in Staffordshire. Um, what about the more modern churches? Um, have you got any examples of those? Well, certainly plenty of examples of those. I mean, as we move from the second half of the 19th century, which was a real heyday of Catholic church building because we had all the Irish immigration, we had the restoration of the hierarchy in 1850. But as we progress through the 19th century and into the 20th, you have a um, greater variety of styles coming in. Um, in the 1930s, there's a couple of examples in the book of architects who were inspired by the liturgical movement, which um, wanted to bring the um, altar and wanted to bring the chancel right into the body of the church so that the the division between the nave and the uh, sanctuary more or less melted away um that's uh, eric gill's church in, in galston near great yarmouth certainly does that um 90 in the 1930s very very early it's a central altar a very beautiful church um likewise um francis um, Xavier Velardi does it also around about the same period in Bootle. There you have um, a monumental brick church um, with a, a lovely altar. There is no doubt whatsoever what's the vo focal point there because the brick is so stark and bare and then you have the lovely white and gold altar at the end. Uh, and But very much bringing in the people, very much a participatory feel about that church as, as well. And then of course you go to the 60s and the 60s is where obviously we, we have the post-Vatican II reform of the liturgy really coming into play. And a couple of examples in the book, 
the priests who built those churches uh, were very, very much inspired by Vatican II. Um, I'm thinking of one of them in South Wales, a place called Gorsinon, a very ordinary town 10 miles from Swansea, where the priest wanted passionately to build a church in the round. And he did it. This wasn't a very affluent parish. Um, they fundraised for years and years to build it. But there it is still standing. And it is a lovely church, um, adventurous and, and, and exciting, really, because you can see it from a distance. You can even see it from the motorway. And you see this wonderful round church um, with lots of gables. If you can imagine um, a, a design of a child's paper crown, almost, with this fan-like roof. And then you go inside and it is gorgeous. It, the, the walls are pierced by these little tiny cross-shaped windows, each having um, stories from the New Testament illustrated or, or Christian symbols. The range of colors is gorgeous and reflects where they are. You know, you've got reds and oranges for the, uh, for the, um, for the Chapel of the Blessed Sacrament. Um, you've got lovely yellows and reds and what was once the, the family chapel and so on. Um, it is a lovely, lovely church. I often wonder what Westminster Cathedral would look like if the interior decor, the mosaic, could all be finished. What do you think about oh, that? Oh, yes, yes. And of course, that was the intention. I think when it was built, the idea was that it was something that could be done at a later date. I don't suppose the builders ever envisaged or Bentley ever envisaged that so many years on, we would still be without... Um, the major part of it decorated with mosaic. Um, to get a vague idea of what it might eventually look like, you could go to a lovely church in Rochdale, also in the Byzantine style. It's dedicated to St John the Baptist. And there, there is the most wonderful mosaic um, covering the apse and also um, a large part of the upper portion of the church. Beautiful gold, very, very beautifully done um, by a local firm um, that um, decorated a number of churches in that area. I think the one in Rochdale is the most spectacular. There is a wonderful figure of Christ in the apse, I think, marking the um, declaration of, of, of Christ King, the very first. Um, so there you might just get a vague idea, a little idea of, of what the cathedral may one day look like. Uh, there's so many ways in which the unfolding history of the architecture of churches tells the story of the faith itself in this country. Um, but of course, many of the Catholic churches, oldest churches, are no longer Catholic churches. Which is the oldest church you visited? Um, there are two that are very old. Um, I think slightly older is the Slipper Chapel, uh, which is part of the Roman Catholic shrine to Our Lady of Walsingham. It's a tiny remnant of, of the original shrine, but it is so perfect and it is so beautiful. I think you can gather from it a sense of what the original shrine would have been like. It is a, when was that built? Um, it was built in, we think, in the 1200s. And of course, it had a very checkered history after the um, Henry VIII's Reformation um, because it went, uh, became a domestic house for a time. It was, I think at one point, it was a cattle shed as well. And when you visit, you see the scars, you know, you can see where the windows of the house once were. Um, and it was painstakingly restored. And, and now it, it's a little gem, it's tiny, but it's perfect. And as I say, this glimpse you get of what the original shrine would have been like. Um, that's really extraordinary. And one of the things I love to do is, is try, visit old monasteries, ruins, and try and imagine what they might have looked like. 
which is have you visited any of those in the course of this work well yes um there are a couple of important ones uh near ampleforth and to visit those and then to go to ampleforth itself is is, is a wonderful experience um the church um was uh, by um giles gilbert scott um and it is quite an eclectic design. It combines um, shallow domes, it combines Gothic, um, Gothic lancet windows and so on. But there you do get the, the wonderful atmosphere of, of what those um, ancient abbeys would be like. And the, um, the, the um, monk who took me around pointed out to me uh, an altar that they have got which was brought, I think, to them in the early 20th century. And, you know, it's the original altar from Byland Abbey. That's really extraordinary. And for, for, for decades, for, for, for hundreds of years, I think, it served as a butcher's block in a butcher's shop. And um, one day, a, um, I think a, a new butcher took over the, um, the, the shop, who happened to be Catholic, and he noticed these crosses in the corner, in the corners of, of the altar. And uh, he got in touch with Ampleforth and they did some research. And sure enough, it was it was the altar of Byland Abbey. And there it is it, now in, in the church, in the Abbey Church at Ampleforth, which is where it should be, isn't it? It's wonderful. Well, at the time, at the time, of course, Byland was one of the most important abbeys in the whole country. Mm. So that's that's a really remarkable yeah. um, um, fact about the churches in this country. So, Eleanor, which of all of them dare you name a favourite? Well, I do, and I sort of hesitate a bit because there are so many churches I love, and I, I, I chose St James's Spanish Place. I mean, it is quite a famous church; it's well known because it is so very, very gorgeous. It's in the West End of London, um, very close to a short walk from Oxford Street and Manchester Square. And I guess what I like about this church so very much is um, the beauty of the decoration the colour and the integrity of the building. We talked a lot about attention for detail. And here, although a number of artists worked on the church, there is a wonderful, wonderful vision. Um, there is that wonderful sanctuary, which is on the cover of the book. Um, spectacular uh, mosaics, wonderful, wonderful metalwork, um, lots of gold. Um, it is fantastic. And there are lovely, um, lovely chapels. There are fabulous, there's fabulous art. There is some medieval art, actually. There's a very ancient statue of the Virgin Mary and there's also a very ancient one of, of St. Anne. But they fit beautifully. There's that dark stone. It's a very, very tall, dark uh, English Gothic chancel. I believe it was modelled on Westminster Abbey. So it is quite dark. But then if you stand um, at the west end of the church and look down that nave and you see the sanctuary at the end it, it is a quite unforge unforgettable and it is a very peaceful and very prayerful place i find thank you so much eleanor um, well eleanor's book um, can be bought on amazon or in all the usual places and if you want to access um, a link you can visit the tablet.co.uk slash podcasts and there i'll make sure that we put a link up there to buy her book and other related links. Thank you very much for speaking to us today, Eleanor. And um, no doubt we'll talk again soon. I hope so.